97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we have TJ Tajani with Short-Term Rental Roadmap. And he flew in from Houston, Texas to talk about how he brings a million dollars a year through Airbnbs. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer, and we help hundreds of people every single month buy more houses at deeper margins, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Uh, the question I get all the time is how to become 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you will take consistent action, I promise you will become one. Uh, this show is brought to you by my company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com and put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And we are live every Wednesday at 2 o'clock Arizona time. We are hiring. If you guys are interested in working with us in any capacity, Go to disruptors.com slash hiring and check out the link for our Discord that we just launched last week. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for TJ to answer. Yeah. You ready? Absolutely. Let's get it. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate? Oh, well, for me, I, um, you know, in college, I put myself through college at the University of Houston. So my background is in mechanical engineering. And um, one of my frat brothers, after I, when I graduated college, he said, hey, you need to read this book. I watched you grind through college, because when I was in college, I um, I didn't my, my parents my family didn't have money to send me to college, so what I did was I uh, met with the people at the financial aid office, and I said, hey, what options do I have to go to school? Because I really want to, I have a desire to, but what options do I have? And they said, well, you can defer your tuition payments towards to the end of the semester, but you just have to pay interest on it. And I said, okay, great, um, I can I can make that work. So I end up working at a shoe store. Worked at Foot Action, uh, selling shoes. But what I did, and I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time, was that whenever there was like a crazy dope sale on apparel, mm -hmm. uh, mainly Jordan and Nike apparel, what I would do is I would clean up the entire store. So I would, I would, I would take that 60% off sale, tack on my additional 35% employee discount. I'll pick up these shorts for about five to ten bucks. Then I will literally take two huge bags into the dorm rooms on campus, and, and I will sell them for thirty. $25, $30, because nice. they retail for $50, $60. Yeah. So at the time, I didn't really realize, but I was wholesaling mm -hmm. uh, Jordan and Nike apparel. Yeah. And so 
hustle, you know, grinds like that. So, so I did, and I was taking all that money, just putting it away, putting it away. And at the end of the semester, I would pay my tuition. Mm -hmm. And so then I picked up another job tutoring. So I was working full time as a student, yeah. still taking on a stu full time student load. So when I graduated, my boy came up to me and said, man, I think you need to read this book. You a hustler. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was Rich Dad Poor Dad, of course. That's what everybody uh, kind of shoe in for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. and, and I took that book with me. At the time, I was working offshore. So I was on the rigs, working out of substance insulation vessels. That was my job. I was at the face of the oil and gas economy. You were doing shoes and oil. <laughs> so, well, the oil came after I graduated. Because okay. now, now I graduated with my engineering degree. Got it, so got now it. I'm working for an oil and gas company. Well, my job was a subsea installations engineer. And this job required me to spend about 60% of the year working on the rigs, working offshore. The subsea equipment that is used to build and produce crude oils and hydrocarbons, that was my job to install them, subsea. So, um, so I took that book offshore with me, and I read it twice while I was offshore for three weeks. Mm -hmm. I could not wait to get off that boat fast enough. I said, get me off this boat. <laughs> I need to start buying some assets ASAP. And so, yeah. um, I, saw, I saw investing in real estate on the side. Started off doing uh, buying whole real estate investing. Then I bought uh, bought a course, uh, ironically, uh, uh, Cody's course on wholesaling. This was back in 2014, actually. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I learned how to wholesale. So I started doing wholesale. One doing bad, closing about one to two deals a month on the side, um, picking, a, uh, keeping a few to keep as long-term buying holds. And my goal at the time, I said, you know what? I want to have 10 rental properties yeah. that I'm going to retire from this engineering job. Because I, I didn't hate my job. I didn't hate it at all, actually. It was actually a pretty interesting position to be in. But it wasn't the goal for me. I knew it just wasn't the long-term goal. So, um, so before we get into all that, right? Yep. Like, you went to college, and you had the your, your wholesaling shorts, yeah. right? <laughs> shoes, whatever. Uh, you were able to finish college without any student loan debt. Any student loan debt. Okay, that's pretty it good. Me, it took me six years. So <laughs> you came here from where? Nigeria. So you came from Nigeria. Yes. Um, you guys speak English there. Yeah, absolutely. Was it, but was it your first language? or English is my first language, English but first I can't speak my language, which is Yoruba. Yoruba is my uh, my culture, and I can't speak my that language. But yeah, I was born in Nigeria. When I came here, I was eight years old when I moved here. So you came here eight years old, yep. so immigrant. Yep. Uh, went to college negotiated or learned that you can defer payments. Yep. Right? OPM. Yep. Exactly. Right, so you're using people, other people's money from the get-go. <laughs> yep. And then you're deferring it, and then you're still able to pay it all off. Yes. Before you graduated college. Absolutely. Which I think is huge, right? Because there's so many people that are like, you know, uh, make excuses or whatever, yeah. complain about student loan debt. Like, yeah. there are ways to make this work if you want to make it work. If you want to make it work, there are yeah. ways. And trust me, if, there, if, if, if anybody had a, had a want, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely wanted to make it happen. And, you know, it was a little interesting, though, because one of my best friends, he we took every single engineering class together. Mm -hmm. And I would see the way he was supported, like, with his family. His family put him through school, and he, they gave, he got a car. And, and here I was. I had to get my own car. I had to buy my own car, and I had to put my own self through school. I think it's important for folks to understand that if you want it, you can make it happen. So what was your thing that was causing you to hustle through college? So um, for me, I, I knew just what I wanted for myself. For me, for when we moved down here from Nigeria, it was my mom and my four siblings, so it was five of us, so six of us total, um, moved to a small apartment, um, had like a tiny, my mom called it a hunchback. It was a little, uh, almost a two-seater, but we, she packed all six of us in there somehow to take us, you know, to take us somewhere to eat, to go. I mean, it, she made it happen. And for me, I knew that um, there was just a hunger that I wanted more. Mm -hmm. And I definitely wanted to make her proud as well. So um, I just wanted, to, I just wanted better for myself, for real.
five, is it four siblings. Four siblings. Where are you in order? I'm in the middle. Middle child. Middle. Two older brothers, two younger sisters. Okay. I was, I was going to guess the older, because usually the oldest one ones that, you know, that, that learned that yeah. that instinct, right, to, yeah. to thrive, to kill or, or be killed kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, so you went and graduated, no debt. Mm-hmm. I went straight into oil. Oil and gas. Yep. Which I think... Houston, that kind of is like what you do. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, here in H-Town, um, oil, is oil and gas capital. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what a lot of folks that do engineering that stay in Houston, you'd mm-hmm. likely go work for an oil and gas company. Got it. Sure. Okay, so you said 2014, you graduated, or 2014 you started buying rentals? 2014, I started, buy, I started investing in real estate. I graduated in 2012. Okay, so your buddy says, hey, see how much you grind. You need to look through Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. And then you start buying rental properties. Yep. And then you connected with Sperber. Yep. Got it. Okay, connected. sorry. All right, continue. Yeah, so connect, connect, connected with him. Well, bought his course mm-hmm. um, and started wholesaling. And I had a goal. I said, you know what? I want When I get to 10 rentals, I'm going to walk away from this engineering position. Well, June 1st, 2017, I was laid off. When I was laid off, I had five rental properties. But folks who know anything about the oil and gas market is quite e- finicky. It's eaves and flows. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, was that, I was going to ask, is that the time where one of those yeah, where prices was, dropped and everyone got let go? Dropped. Exactly. So yeah. when the price of when when the, when when you consider the fact that the if the, the price when the price of oil is a hundred dollars a barrel, everybody's eating, everybody's happy. Yeah. When it drops to forty two dollars a barrel, but considering that it costs forty six dollars a barrel to build and produce crude oils and hydrocarbons, nobody's drilling. Mm-hmm. So when that's nobody's drilling, the major operators are not drilling like Exxon and BP and Shell. And that means like us supporting service companies like our company. We don't have any work. Mm-hmm. So they, the day I was laid off, they laid off about over 70 people just that day. And they were already laying off a lot of people. Were you excited that. to get laid off or were you sad that you got laid off? Man, I was, I was indifferent um, because I, I didn't feel like I was ready. But a part of me was excited because that was always the plan. Mm-hmm. So, but then I was like, wow, but, but it's not, not, not right now, though. But look, at, should, I, should I go back and try to get another job or, or what? But I decided to just bet on myself and just go all into real estate. Yeah. And the only reason I'm asking is that when I was at Intel, like, Intel's notorious for just laying people off on like a regular yeah. basis. And I kept waiting. Mm. So they would lay me off so I can start my own thing, and they wow. never would. <laughs> so, all right. So, That's interesting. yeah, laid off. Yeah. So you bet on yourself. So, what happened next? So then I wasn't even looking to do this Airbnb thing. Wasn't even looking to get into the short term rental space. I was more so doubling down on what I was going to do with wholesaling and creative deals. And in my, in my uh, search for just uh, market research and how to market better. I came across a video about Airbnbs, and at the time I had never even stayed in an Airbnb. I said, "Well, I know about it. Mm-hmm. Don't know much about it, but there was, you know, okay, if I could potentially make more money doing this strategy than my traditional rentals, then there's maybe something to look into." Well, so I decided to try it on one of the houses that I was going to make a traditional long-term rental. So I just started furnishing it. Spent about fourteen grand to furnish this three-bedroom, two bath house and 14 grand 14 grand to furnish it um, and, and here's the thing about furn- furnishing your units the big stuff is usually not the most expensive thing like the couches and the beds you would think that's the most expensive thing but it's really the stuff that's supporting stuff that adds up the linens <laughs> that has a good, the linens the sheets all the decor that you need all that yeah. stuff so and i never forget i remember i walked in the house one day it was just boxes everywhere putting furniture together i'm up three four o'clock in the morning sometimes all night put, assembling furniture and I felt like I was at my wit's end. I said, man, maybe I'll bid off more than I can chew here. Selling your own furniture, were you buying these things from Ikea? <laughs> Some I bought from Ikea, but I worked. I, I, I uh, started working with a local furniture company, local to my marketplace, and I started buying furniture from them. Got it. Yep. But you had to, you had to put those things together. I had to put them together. I had to put them together. And i never forget when I, when I listed that property. When I first listed the property, I just listed it, and I said, 
And I went home and I started watching the movie. Planet of the Apes, I started watching the movie. I put my phone down, I didn't know what the heck was gonna happen. The moment, literally within the hour, somebody just inquired. It wasn't even a booking. They just had a question mm -hmm. about one of the one of the rooms. I don't remember what the question was. And I was so excited. I said, yes, please, it's ready. Book it. It's perfect. The property's beautiful. Go ahead and book it. <laughs> and I'm not booking it. But the next day, I had two bookings that came in overnight. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up and I did the math and I ran the numbers, I said, well, even at 50% occupants, even if I'm only booked half the month, and at the rate that I was charging, because I was charging well below market at the time. And I said, um, even at the, with those numbers, I'm still looking to, at minimum, 2x what I would bring in with a traditional long-term. Yeah. And so it was that, that's what made it a no-brainer for me. So at this time, you had five. I had five houses. And you converted one of them to the well, Airbnb? This was house number six I was converting to. I was going to make a short-term rental. Got it. Okay. So in this meantime, yep. um, I just want to take a few steps back here. You acquired five properties, mm -hmm. uh, and you were saying you were uh, wholesaling at the time? Yes, I was wholesaling at the time, and this is while I was an engineer. Well, that's why I was going to go with it. It's going back to the excuses people make, right? Yep. I can't do this because I'm working. Yep. Right? I'm too tired. I don't have time. Yep. So how did you make it work mm -hmm. where you were working on an oil rig? I don't mm -hmm. know what the internet situation is like on those Horrible. Things. <laughs> but you were still able to still do yeah. deals. So let's yeah. talk about how you're able to make that happen. Man, you know, sometimes on, on, the, on the rig, too, they have, like, uh, depending on the rig, you can have your laptop be a cell phone, right? Where you have a little headpiece and all that. And depending on the signal, you can, you can call, you can, you can make calls. So I, I would hope, I said, man, I hope this vessel has good internet. I hope this vessel <laughs> has a system that I need. Some, some, some don't. Some just have, like, a payphone, like, there will literally be a line. If you want to call home, you have to stand in line <laughs> to, to make the call. So, so I'll stand in line like I want to call home, but no, I'm calling sellers to see if they want to, if I can lock up their property. So I was working offshore, um, still working on my real estate business while I was offshore. But I never forget, there was a time, um, you know, I came home from the office one day. My ex-girlfriend at the time said, he was like, man, you just got home. You're still working. You still, I said, I went to my home office. I, I'm, on, I'm on calls. I'm making yeah. calls. He said, you still working? I said, well, I said, how dare me? Like, I said, woe to me. Like, how dare me literally make millions? I'm making millions of dollars for this company. Like, yeah, I'm a lead. I'm running these projects. Like, I cannot not work on something for myself. Like, I have right. to work on something for myself. And so, so yeah, I, I mean, for me, you know, it came as a sacrifice for sure. But I think for folks who need to understand is that you don't have to have all the pieces to the puzzle. You don't have to know every single thing. Just know enough. It's not yeah. enough to get going. Yeah, but you weren't getting ready to get ready. No, exactly. No, I wasn't getting ready to get it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, then I imagine there's probably something before this as well. Like, you didn't just learn how to hustle in college. Mm -hmm. So, like, were you an entrepreneur in, in, in high school or? Oh, man, that's interesting because, you know, in elementary school, I used to I used to thought that I was going to be the next Picasso. I was like an artist. I love drawing mm -hmm. cartoon characters. I was a huge comic fan. That's why I love Marvel and DC movies now. I was, Spider-Man was my favorite character. I would draw Spider-Man on paper just from a comic, but I will draw it on plain paper, and I would sell it for a quarter at school. <laughs> I would beg my mom, because my mom worked two jobs. She was a nursing assistant. And so I said, I would beg my mom, I said, hey, if you can, can you just make copies of these, mm -hmm. make copies and bring it home? And, and so I don't have to draw so much. I could just make copies. And so she would make copies from a Dragon Ball Z character, Spider-Man, Superman, just name it. I would draw these characters, and they were pretty good. Yeah. And I would sell them to, to my, my peers for a quarter in elementary school. That's yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> All right. So you get your sixth property, you turn it to Airbnb, 
And it sounds like you just hit a grand slam from the get-go. It just, for me, it was a no-brainer. So there were no challenges with that. Oh, there were challenges. <laughs> All right, let's talk, about, let's talk about the challenges. Some of my hearing is like, oh, man, I can make a million dollars a year doing Airbnb. Yeah. Let's go. Like, yeah. what yeah. are the oh, challenges? Oh, my God. So I think, I think um, what people need to understand about the strategy, and especially if your mindset is to actually grow something like this to where you can make seven figures in this strategy, um, understand that the value is not in Airbnb. The Because um, the, a lot of folks just look to do Airbnb. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks just want to just put up a property on Airbnb and look, and look to just do Airbnb, but that's not where the value is. The value is in the infrastructure that you build out. The value is in the systems and the team that's allowing you to manage this business model um, pretty much automated, right? So this is the reason why it takes me the same amount of time it takes me to run and manage five beds is the same amount of time it takes me to run and manage 55 plus beds because of the infrastructure. And for folks who put emphasis on that, that is the right formula, and you're setting yourself up for the right foundation to grow a seven-figure short-term rental business. Got sure. it. Okay. So um, what were some of the early setbacks you had <laughs> with your first Airbnb? Oh, man. So earlier on, I did not know how to. Well, for one, I thought that I had to own every single one of my Airbnbs, and I learned that I didn't even have to own these. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to own them. I got educated, and I learned that, okay, I can rent them out. But then you still have to rent them out the right way. Right. A lot of folks want to just rent out a property under their personal names, and but that's not necessarily what you should do. As a matter of fact, you're leaving yourself exposed to a lot of issues that way. You got to rent, rent it under a business, rent it under a corporate entity. So I learned that I didn't, I didn't even have to own these properties. So then, how can I rent them? So my biggest challenge then was actually having these conversations with the landlords to actually get them to to be intrigued enough to work with me to rent their property out. Mm-hmm. I came from such a position of scarcity at the time. It was like, please, Mr. Landlord, please, I want to rent your property. I want to do this Airbnb thing. And I, it, it, there was a time I, I, had, I had somebody, this lady, she literally laughed like she laughed me out. I was sitting in her office. It was a nice condo community. I said, hey, so I'm, I'm just going to rent this, uh, one of your condos. I want to do this Airbnb thing. She said, oh, my. I don't know if I can cuss, but she cussed. <laughs> she, she said, oh, she said, oh, my. And she said, oh, my. She just got up and just walked out. Yeah. And she left me in her office. <laughs> like, I was just sitting there like, what just happened? <laughs> like, yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges is understanding how to actually position yourself and have these conversations with landlords for them to be intrigued enough because um, your positioning factor is how well you break yourself down to explain their pain points. How well do you speak to their pain points? And I was doing a horrible job at that. Yeah. And so then I had to learn. Like even now, we use a script for our students. Our students, there's a script that we use that is a phenomenal script, very simple, concise script. But um, you can imagine how many bad conversations I had to have to develop this script. Yeah, I, 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 I got a property. <laughs> I got a rental property. You're talking to me. What does talking it sound like? Okay, well, well sir, well, well, what usually happens is when I go visit these properties, and I like to tell people, for one, when you're on the phone, your job is not to, well, you can, but your job, your, your chances are going to dwindle quite a bit. Um, we want to go ahead and um, just set the appointment over the phone. You don't mm-hmm. have to go into the details over the phone. Mm-hmm. We talk, we like to have the conversations face to face. And what tends to happen is the landlord tends to start asking us questions like we're going to be tenants. Like, hey, so how many people in your family? Like, so how was your, you know, uh, where are you moving from? Things like that. And so then your, our job is to ask them questions to understand what their experience has been as a mm-hmm. landlord. Well, how was your experience has been as a landlord? Um, um, have you, how long, how long have you owned the property? How, what was your last experience with your, with your previous tenant? Then we're just going to the script. The script speaks something like, well, we want to rent this property out, but not the traditional way. We want to rent it out to the people that we serve. 
because I think it's very nice, and the people that we serve really like it. But here's the thing, though. We're going to rent your property out. We're going to make sure that you, you get your rent paid in an automated fashion. You're going to get your rent paid automatically. Uh, matter of fact, here's other automated payments that we've made to other landlords, and they get paid automatically. We're going to give you what you're asking for rent. Matter of fact, if it's okay with you, I would actually like to take it off for two years, not just one. Uh -huh. You're actually going to be insured. You can keep your landlord policy, but we're actually going to add additional short-term rental insurance policy. Now, don't get this mixed up with a traditional renter's policy. This is the actual insurance policy that protects us for our business model. And we're going to add you as an additional insurer. That way you know that you're protected. And here's how we screen our, screen our guests. And we talk about how we screen our guests. Here's how we protect the property. We, we use cameras on the exterior, on, uh, uh, every entry point of the property. Mm -hmm. We speak to that. We speak to how well we're going to have to take care of the property. Matter of fact, nobody's going to take care of this property the way we are. Every time, it has to show for every single person that comes in here. And so nobody's going to take care of it. I'm talking about cleaning the fans, the baseboards, all that gets taken care of. So we are literally your ideal tenant. We, yeah. Our goal is to position ourselves with the landlord to show them that we are the perfect tenant. And I think that's one of the things that I would tell people right now, if you're looking to get started in this business, understand the value that you bring to the table. Understand that you are actually a problem solver and you are addressing the landlord's pain points as the perfect tenant. Matter of fact, when I talk to landlords now, it's almost like it's in your best interest to work with me. I actually feel bad for you if you don't work with me because right. I'm literally going to be your perfect tenant. Yeah, I like this, right? Because the, the 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 big thing that's happening here is the very first time you did this, mm -hmm. scarcity you mentioned. Absolutely. Like, I don't know. I'm going to do this. Maybe we can make this work, mm -hmm. right? Versus now, you know what you're doing. Absolutely. You're confident. And like, this is just the way it is. Yep. And we talk about in sales, like the first way you're getting laughed out the door. Yeah. Second way, like, oh, this is the way it is. And this is the way it is. <laughs> I like that. Right? Absolutely. So, all right. So, um, we talked about, you know, you're getting laughed out of places. How many, I guess, how many short-term rentals do you have now? So right now we're at 32. 32. Now, what we're looking to do, oh, uh, what we're looking to do though, right now we are focused now on purchasing medium-sized multifamily properties. Mm -hmm. um, oh, hang on before we get there. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. you have 32 short-term rentals right yep. now. Uh, those five that you had originally, what'd you do with those? So few of them were long-term traditional rentals. And three of them are still long-term traditional rentals. I haven't converted them yet because the tenants I have there are just phenomenal. They've been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. and I, have, I haven't converted them yet. And the areas that they're in, they're kind of in last place right now. So I'm not too worried about those areas right now. I'm, so now I'm focused on other areas in the city to grow. So you get 32 short-term rentals, mm -hmm. three still. <coughs> excuse me. Mm -hmm. Three still in the long-term. And then you got, um, you're also doing it for other landlords. Absolutely. So, yes, exactly. So, so how many of, the of those do you have? About 60% of them we own. I own them. About 40% <coughs> I rent via rental arbitrage. That's exactly what we're talking about mm -hmm. here. When we rent it from landlords, what we're talking about is rental arbitrage. This same is awesome. Same thing with the shorts. Exactly. It's the same thing I do with the shorts. Some people also call it a rent to rent. This is the control without ownership. Mm -hmm. And I like it a lot because um, there's, there, of course, we, the goal is to always own your real estate. Um, and we, our yields are better with the ones that we own for sure, but we love rental arbitrage because we can, it's a, the barrier to entry is a little lower and we can get to the cash flow a lot quicker with rental arbitrage. Yeah. So yes, 100%, 40% of rental arbitrage, but 60% we own them. Okay. Um, okay. So what were some other additional challenges you experienced oh, man. as you, as you were doing the, uh, acquiring more yep. R to R? Yep. 
I think one of the things that I like, I like to tell people, and I can speak to this because I did it, and it was a mistake on my end, because I like to let people know one of the challenges that I had is to scaling on a broken system, scaling too fast um, on a broken system. Because, and I like to let people know when you're scaling on a, from a standpoint of actually growing your rental portfolio or scaling from a standpoint of getting on multiple platforms, um, you don't want to scale on a broken system. I let people know that, yeah, I'm not the Airbnb guy. I mean, I'm the Airbnb guy, whatever, but that's not the business I'm in, right? We're in the short-term rental space. But I say all that, but I also say start with Airbnb. Yeah. They are still the most turnkey platform that's out there. Um, start there. Get They get a ton of traffic. Um, when you start there, make sure that your systems are down-packed with just Airbnb. Get your systems tight. Get your team in place. Get your structure, your technology partners, your field partners Get them in place and get them tight before you start scaling into other platforms or scale in, ter in terms of increasing your, your portfolio. But well. still get one rental. Exactly. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just for start. your system to be perfect. Oh, yeah. Get one. Oh, yeah. Get one for sure. Get one. Get it good. Get it good. Then scale. Then scale. 100%. Got it. Get okay. one. Get it good. Then scale. But don't. Don't just get one though. Yeah. You, just yeah, just get one. Yeah. All right. So if we could just um, simplify this, right? Yep. You know, I don't own any Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. So you know, let's just say you were coaching me, mm -hmm. right? I was like, Hey, TJ, I want to get into Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing I do? I'll tell you. For if you want to do rent uh, Airbnb, okay. What is the goal? <clears throat> do you want to do you want to focus more so on arbitrage? Do you want to do you want to do own or do you want to be gangster like me and do both? Okay, so if you want to do both, both, I'll tell you right now, go ahead and get your entity going. Go ahead and get that entity going. And not an entity that is tied into anything else that you're doing. Mm -hmm. An entity that is standalone for your short-term rental business. And that is essentially going to be your management company. Because there are multiple ways to skin a cat in this business. We can own this. We can own like what we're talking about. We can arbitrage what we're talking about. We're renting from landlords. The third strategy is actually co-hosting. This means that you're managing it for another host, somebody who's already hosted. Uh -huh. Or maybe you're able to convince the landlord to invest in furnishing his unit and Airbnb it out for him, where he's getting a, a majority of the income. The, the going rate for co-hosting is about 25%. You keep 25% of gross, um, and then he keeps 75%. Now, all three strategies work. Even though the means of acquisition is different, the means of execution and running it is the same. Right. So I would ask for somebody who wants to get going, so which, which route are you looking to get into? Because there are multiple ways to skin a cat. But the, either the, way, the deluxe. Let's just go all the, the, way. <laughs> go all the way. Either way, go ahead and get that go ahead, go ahead and get that entity going. Because even the ones that I own, I still lease them from myself. Gotcha. Right? So we get the entity going because that's gonna be your management company. So once you do that, then you want to find the right location. Ideally, you want to go on, go on a map, go on Zillow, Har, wherever. Highlight the, that location that you want to get into. Now, and then you want to do your market research. Make sure that you go on Google and just type in short-term rental ordinances and then your marketplace, your city. What's going to happen is one or two sites is going to pop up. A site that's going to take you to the current governing laws and ordinances that govern short-term rentals in your particular marketplace or your county clerk's website, which has the same information. Mm -hmm. But you want to know what that is before entering a marketplace. On top of that, make sure that the neighborhood that you want to get into, if you're working with landlords, make sure that there's no HOA issues that you want to worry about. A lot of times, it's not even so much that the city isn't friendly enough, for example, in Houston, very, very friendly towards short-term rentals, but then there's still HOA to worry about. Right. You want to make sure that you, that you look into that, because if it's in bylaws that you can't do it, you want to be, be aware of that. Next thing you want to do, is to go on AirDNA. This is a site, it's almost like running comps for mm -hmm. real estate, for traditional rentals, 
but it's running comps for short-term rentals. Now, AirDNA is going to allow you to you're going to pay for the pay for the data, and pay for it is good data. I like to let people know to take AirDNA's data with a grain of salt because there's just certain certain metrics, certain metrics that they have a hard time tracking. Got it. For, for example, like I I was I was traveling a lot to do short to, to for, for my job. So if I was traveling a lot, 60% of the year, but I want to rent my property out while I'm gone, then that's great. But say I have another property that is a full-time short-term rental property. They have a hard time tracking what's full-time and what's actually part-time short-term rental. So, but I, I like to let people know, still use AirDNA's data because if you like those numbers, then you should definitely run that play on that property because most likely you're going to outdo that number. Got it. So it's on the lower side. So it's on the lower side, exactly. Okay. Those are the steps you want to take to get started. For the research... <clears throat> Once you do that research with AirDNA, and then uh, then it's, you're going to have a more secure feeling about running the play on that particular property. Got yeah. it. Um, and then as far as posting on Airbnb, are yeah. there any like uh, hacks or like yeah. this is like a must <laughs> must do? Absolutely. So when you when you want to post on Airbnb for one, make sure that your, pro, your, your account and your profile is complete. Airbnb loves complete profiles, not mm-hmm. no partial. So when you actually list a property on Airbnb. You have to go back because you're not done yet. You have to go back, and there's a lot more that you need to fill out, but you can't fill it out until you publish it first. Got you it. have to publish it, then you go in and So make you sure. publish it, and you're done. And you, no, you're, you're, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Uh, yeah. your, your, your SEO, your search rankings, are gonna be gonna, they're going to ding you on a search ranking without a complete profile. Got it. Um, so you want to do that. And don't be—a uh, lot of folks, they, they mess up their listing because they're way too wordy for one. They're, they have these long paragraphs. Not realizing that us as human beings, our attention span is not that good. <laughs> and especially with the day of social media, it's only getting worse. Right. So make your descriptions concise. Like, okay, include like a nice paragraph just to kind of introduce it. But hit them with what I like to call haymakers, like the bullet points, all the dope things about your properties. Hit them with the bullet points. It's a lot easier to digest, a lot easier to read. Um, use professional photography. I have no clue to this day why hosts still miss on this. Um, you have no idea how much money you're leaving on the table by oh, not yeah. having professional photography. You don't want to spend an extra $200, $150. It's spend. a premium expense. It's, it's a luxury. It's <laughs> spend, invest in that photography. It's crazy. Some people, a lot of hosts still miss on that. They will want to take cell phone photos. No. And I'm not talking about photography that, uh, that's going to take, that takes photographers that take pictures of you at the club. Yeah. Not photographers that take your wedding photos either. Real estate photographers. Yeah. That's where you want to take your photos. Um, so definitely that. If you can, if you can, if you have the bandwidth to theme your units, get, get, hit it with a nice theme because themes stand out. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have to theme your units to be profitable in this business? Absolutely not. Right. But themes are a good idea. It gives you a, a nice way to stand out. I remember somebody, I, was, I did a theme on one of my duplexes. I made the bottom unit a straight Marvel theme. I got it this dope wallpaper. I had the arcades in there and everything. And the upstairs unit did a DC theme, <laughs> right? So, and people were like, man, but... If you do a theme, but what if people that don't like it, they're not going to want to book with you? I say, okay, but you think, you're forgetting the people that actually do like it. People that will pay more for <laughs> They'll it. They'll pay more for it. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to double down on it. Yeah. And I'm telling you that those units are going bonkers because of the theme. Yeah. Simply because of the theme. And so, and so yes, that's, I would definitely say that when it comes to listing your units. Also, your calendar is very important. One of the things that's very important with your listing on Airbnb especially, is your pricing and your calendar. Airbnb incentivizes you for being an attentive host. And when you're an attentive host, one, that your prices change consistently, uh-huh. and also one that you just check your calendar. Just for going on your phone, just checking your calendar, Airbnb likes that. Like, they they, they, they like that. They give you points. In their for algorithm, it. like, this and is a good host. Yeah, this is a good host, right? 
Um, but your pricing has to, you can't, don't have, don't have a fixed pricing. Yeah. Don't have stagnant pricing. You want your pricing to be fluctuating. You want fluctuating prices. Um, this is why we use dynamic pricing tools, like for one, Price Labs is a good one. Mm -hmm. Wheelhouse is another good one. These are dynamic pricing tools that fluctuate your prices and increases them or decreases them based on your market. Right? Kind of like a, a Expedia. It's like Expedia, price line. exactly. And and um, it's a lot of it's also a lot of the ways the hotels price their units as well. Yeah. And so uh, you set your minimum price, like no matter what, it's never going to go below this. You can set that. Then you set your base price, and it fluctuates your prices based on your market. It plugs in those like the API is automatic. It's automatic. Well, you set those. Right. You set those. And even but you set those, but like, is it like you just tell us a price lab, you said? Price labs, yeah. So you just tell price lab, here's my Airbnb, yep. API integration. Yep. Change it as necessary. Change, change it as necessary. And it changes your prices on Airbnb yeah. as necessary. That's awesome. Right. And it's it's a great tool because an Airbnb, when your prices fluctuate, another oh, this is an attentive host. They mm -hmm. care. They right. care about their listing. So um a lot of folks, um, and especially as you scale, if you if you don't use price labs on one of these pricing tools, you're gonna have to be every couple days changing your prices, not just like one day, your entire calendar. Like, So yes, again, that can be systematized. That can be automated. That's crazy. 100%. So I was sharing with you uh, before we started that, you know, I was doing VRBOs back in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> right. And in 2010, uh, this was me and my buddies. I wasn't involved in it. Like we had a partnership, like they were doing all the work. I was on the weekly calls, like, you know, getting updates or whatever. Um, back then, right. We have a VRBO. And we would have to call the maid, mm. right? She would drive down from Flagstaff to Munns Park yep. and clean it. And then she would drive back and then she would just shoot us a text message that it's done, right? <laughs> but there are times where we wouldn't get a text message wow. and someone's coming in. Yep. Now you say that things have changed in yep. the last 12 years. Absolutely. So tell me like, about that. <laughs> That's an interesting process that was going on back then. <laughs> uh, but yes, things have changed. Things have changed. We are managing that process. And one of the beautiful things about Airbnb period or the strategy it was birthed in the age of technology. Mm -hmm. And technology makes this business a lot easier for us. Um, just in that, that exact example that you, that you just stated, for us, we use a, we use a cleaning management tool. There's, there's two that's probably the top two best properly and turnover BNB. Um, what it does is you can manage the entire cleaning process on that platform. As soon as the cleaning process starts, the cleaners go in there, boom, we get a notification on our phone, the cleaning has started. As soon as the cleaning is over, we get a notification on our phone, boom, the cleaning is over with pictures <laughs> of the job done. It's a little bit different. Right? A little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit different than back then. And these both platforms now, cleaners in your marketplace can subscribe to these platforms. And this is another way that you can actually find cleaners local to your marketplace. Yeah. You can put your property out and put your job out there in the platform, and the cleaners will literally be fighting for your job. Yeah. And you pick one, you have your checklist, they clean it. If you like them, keep them on the team. That's another way to find cleaners as well. So one thing that, I, I mean, I got friends, right? They do, we're entrepreneurs. Yep. We can't focus. We're always trying to do different things. We're always trying to add more to our plate. Yep. Right. So I have friends that like, you know, I've got my Airbnbs, but they take the most time. Yep. Right. So I tell them like, then why are you doing Airbnbs? Mm -hmm. So a question for you, it seems like once your Airbnb is running, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's not autopilot, but mm -hmm. it's less time involvement mm -hmm. but to get your first airbnb up yeah. is a time investment yeah there is so can you talk about how much time is invested and what you've done to reduce that time yeah. to get up and running absolutely so now understand especially in the beginning of part of this you're going to wear a few hats 
Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's okay to, and, and as you scale, you're gonna tra- you're gonna outsource and do that. And it's okay to be a technician in your business, but essentially transition to be the entrepreneur, more so to where you're the puppet master, making sure that your team is set up for success. But you're gonna wear a few hats in the beginning. Um, there are two things that you can do at the very beginning, even with one listing, to save you like 70% of your time right away. Automate your pricing. Automate your pricing, um, which you can use Price Labs or Wheelhouse. Uh-huh. We talked about that earlier. Secondly, the most, the most um, like time-intensive thing is constantly communicating with the guest, mm-hmm. constantly being on the phone, ask, um, answering questions, ask, uh, responding back to booking requests and things like that. You can automate that process as well. There's a software called, well, they used to be called Smart B&B. Now they're hospitable. Mm-hmm. And so now, I mean, you can, you can literally use them, set, all, set it all up on a platform. Again, it's work up front but it's the time saver on the back end that that makes it beautiful. So you can literally set up all your responses, and as soon as somebody sends a a booking, uh, as soon as as a booking comes in, boom, you automatically confirm the booking, you confront it with them, the dates, the time. You're using the the bots to to optimize. The the challenges that I've heard is like the furnishing. Yeah, the furnishing. Right, like they're driving across town to buy this (laughs) thing from this store. Yeah. This thing from that store, yeah. and it's like a nightmare, especially if they're trying to have color matching yeah. and, and not quite theming, but yeah, but 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 some 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 synchrony, like some yeah, some, yeah, so where everything, things are matching, everything flows, right? Right. So yeah, the furnishing aspect, <laughs> you that is definitely going to take time, and it will take time in the beginning as you, and then as you scale, you could it, it'll be a lot easier now. Design aspect. Now, if you love designing, do that. If that's your jam, do that. I designed my first 10 units. I, mm-hmm. I didn't do a bad job, but, you know, that's not where my time is the most valuable. But I didn't do bad. Didn't do bad. But setting up your units can definitely be very time consuming. I'll tell you what we do now to save time. By, by, by the way, if you want to design, if you don't want to design your units, maybe you're not that good at it. And But you don't want to spend the extra money to actually pay a whole person to complete do a turnkey setup for you. Because that's the most time-saving thing that you can do. Just hand somebody the keys mm-hmm. and let them do their thing, right? And will that cost you the most money? Yes, it will. But that is the most efficient way to go about it. Exactly. And we, of course, we know there's a money and time trade-off with a lot yeah. of things that we do. You can kind of meet in the middle, though, at the same time. So one of the things that we do, like if you, you get, we get all the big stuff. It's almost like you have a jar, and you get like the big rocks and then get the smaller rocks and then you fill it up with the sand to fill it, to, to get everything filled up. So we get all the big stuff first, your couches and your beds and your mattresses. Now the company that we get them from, we get them, we hire a company to deliver them. When they deliver it, they set it up. They set up the big stuff. Are you not selling them anymore? No, I'm not selling them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not selling them. I'm not doing uh, My days is putting beds together and done. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> so well, we, this is what we do now. And, and we, we, we have that company set it up. Then we get all the supporting cast, all the supporting furniture, your end tables, your coffee tables, your dining tables, your bar stools, all that stuff. Your art, too. All the art. We get all that sent to the property, which people ask me all the time, where do you shop at? Everywhere. Amazon, Overstock, uh, Walmart. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, everywhere. We shop everywhere. Um, Etsy, all everywhere. So we get all the supporting stuff in it. And then we hire somebody to come put it all together. Mm-hmm. See, I have a guy. <laughs> he comes and he assembles all the, all the tables, all the dining tables, all the nightstands and bar stools, all that. And he puts up all the art. And he is excellent. If he got the laser, he, he lines it up, makes sure it's perfect. Like, he is way better at setting up <laughs> than I am. So yeah. he's a 10. So I like to hire him to, to, go, to go ahead and do that. 
Then you have all the all the supportive stuff like your your coffee maker and your your shampoos and your sheets and all that to make all the beds. We get all that stuff sent. A lot of time, Amazon, all that stuff sent to the property. Then we train somebody. The person that I trained is one of the clean. Somebody used to clean for me, so she still cleans for me. But now she does this too. Yeah. So she'll come in, unbox everything. She knows exactly how I like it set up, and she sets everything up. So now that's kind of meeting in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's still a pretty efficient way to get to get your property furnished. Uh, one thing you want to talk about was what operators should be focused on right now. So things that folks should be focused on right now. I like to let people know that at this day and time, in 2022, this year that we're in, the short-term rental strategy has changed. It was birthed over 10 years ago, and times have changed. And um, with that, we I, I am gearing my students to change their mindset in the way that they look at Airbnb. Not looking at Airbnb as where they're going to get their bookings. Yes, you will get your bookings from there. But more so looking at it as a lead source, meaning every single person that books with you and every person that comes with them. So this is pretty much every person that steps foot in your property, they need to be in your own database. Right now, what we should be focused on is building our own database of people that we can retarget to book with us directly. Now we have our own direct booking site. That way, we are now, yes, we're still going to get bookings from Airbnb, but now Airbnb is not just for bookings, but more so a lead source as well, mm-hmm. so where you're growing your own list and getting your own people to book with you directly. Now, this is the difference between just doing Airbnb and having a long-term, sustainable, short-term rental business that's going to be here for you. For, with the I like that. I mean, it's kind of like when you get the Uber. Absolutely. You're like, hey, here's my car. Exactly. Call me. Call me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, should you be, should you poach people from Airbnb as in like, if they want, if they inquire or want to book, say, no, 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 don't even book it here. Just book direct. No, don't do that. No, you get, you'll like, get canceled. You'll get canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll cancel you quickly. Yeah. But you, so if they, if they come through the platform, it don't matter if it's Airbnb, booking.com, VRBO, if they come through the platform, host them through the platform. Now it is your job to have a system in place mm-hmm. to where you are collecting their information after their stay. And now you're able to retarget them after their stay to book with you direct next time they want to stay with you, uh, stay in your marketplace, and encourage them to share your website to other people. Yeah. Consistency with it, you will find that a lot of your bookings are going to start coming in direct, not just from Airbnb. And now you have, I mean, this, that's a business. That's, that's genius. Stay. Uh, what CRM are you using for that? What is the... CRM? What, what tool are you using? To- so there's a few. Okay, so you can use uh, channel managers mm-hmm. um, that also have direct booking websites on them. Got and it. a channel manager is very important because this is the this is the way that you can be on multiple platforms but still be on one calendar. So if somebody books on Airbnb, it needs to be blocked off on Booking.com and VRBO and your direct booking site if you yeah. have one. But if they book it on your direct booking site, it needs to be blocked off on all the other, those dates and be blocked off on all the other platforms. So channel managers um, that we like are Logify. We like Your Portal, which has now been purchased by Guesty, which Guesty is the biggest one out there. Um, Guesty, Your Porter, Tokeet's another good one. Uh, I mean, there's a few. Hostaway, I mean, there's, but they all have their own personality. They all have different features. It's important to just do your research and figure out which one works best for you and your business model and just run with that one. But most of them have their own uh, direct booking site that you can actually have on there as well. So it'll sync all your calendars, including your direct booking site calendars, to make sure you're not having any double bookings. And now you have on direct booking site. Yeah, that's awesome. How much are you saving with a direct booking site? Uh, so most most folks, when they book on Airbnb, they have to pay 13 to 14% mm-hmm. fees, uh, most guests. So that's actually, so we, when, when uh, we get a guest in our database, they stay with us. 
thank, the first email that goes out to them, say, hey, thank you so much for, for booking with us. Thanks so much for staying with us and booking through Airbnb, um, stay, staying with us. Next time, book direct with us and save on Airbnb. Save the 14% Airbnb fees. And here's an additional 15% off for your next day uh-huh. with us. So they save money on that. So they're definitely incentivized from a guest perspective to book with you direct for sure. Gotcha. All right. And, you know, I think one thing that comes up is a question I heard before is when you're the the co-host, yep. right? Not the arbitrage, but the co-host, mm-hmm. how are you, how is your behavior different than a property manager, mm-hmm. right? Where you have to be licensed. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's good. So um, it's, it's, it's different in the sense that we are more so managing. It's like you're, you're, you're not managing the property yourself. You're managing the experience that the guest has. Right. So you're our, um, when it comes to that, and it's interesting because a lot of folks be like, Man, how come you can do this? You don't need a property management license. Like, you don't mm-hmm. even need that. No, you don't actually. Matter of fact, I went to University of Houston, graduated from there. At the University of Houston, there's a hotel and hospitality school. Like, one of the very few in the state of Texas. Yeah. But you can actually get a degree in hospitality. You don't need a degree in hospitality yeah. to do this business. Um, this is definitely a, a hospitality-based business, though. This is real estate, but it's hospitality as well. Yeah. And I think that's where the management kind of changes. On a, a traditional property manager is more, more so managing that that building, but uh, on this side, we're managing the experience that the guest has more so yeah. than anything. We're managing it on a hospitality side. Have you gotten so like dragged in for in front of the board and then you explain this to them and they're like, oh, "Okay, you're right." I haven't had to. Okay, I haven't had to. Nope. All right, I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, so we're gonna start answering your questions, uh, but before we do that, guys, if you need help in your business, uh, schedule a call with someone on my team. Send us a message on Instagram. And we'll see if there if there's something that we can help you with your business uh, specifically. Uh, so on YouTube, uh, Hum will be me. Uh, did you have to obtain a short term rental permit before you could do the Airbnb method? That's that's a good question. And to answer that, it depends on your marketplace. Uh, depends on the market. Some markets require you to actually get a permit um, to in order to, to to operate as a short term rental operator, and some don't. And that's, I mean, that's as simple as it gets. For example, in Houston, we don't need a permit. Do I feel that a uh, some type of license or permits come in, in Houston? That yes, because not all regulations bad, right? Not all regulations bad. So yes, it depends on the marketplace. Some are wide open, some are not. All right, and then um, so we're gonna ask you still to arbitrage it. Yes, uh, uh, Cheryl on Instagram. Can you do this while being a real estate agent? Absolutely, yes, you can. Matter of fact, Cheryl, um, it would it actually could be a plus to have a license in this business because especially if you want to do oriental arbitrage and you are looking to have these conversations with landlords because having a license just more so, do you need it? No, you don't need it to do this business. I don't have a license. <laughs> so, um, and I'm able to scale my business, but it, it, it almost further solidifies you as a professional to just have a license. Like, hey, I want to do this, but I'm actually a licensed uh, realtor or I'm, I'm actually licensed in real estate. Um, it just it just almost gives them that additional sense of security. Do you need it? No. But will it give the landlord an additional sense of security? Yes, it will. Yeah, and I think uh, if you are licensed, uh, doing this will bring in more regular oh, 100%. business. 100%. You have no idea. Nicer properties. Uh, nicer properties. 
nicer properties. And yeah. you can imagine a lot of my students have licenses mm -hmm. and they are doing very well because of the opportunities, not just from what, what I just said, but the opportunities that come their way as well, for sure. Right, you're doing, because every property, for the most part, is nicer. Absolutely. Uh, Photographs really well. Photographs very well. Absolutely. Instagram worthy. Yep. Like they're all, I'll put it all over your social media. Yep. Checks all. Yep. Yeah. So like it, it only helps. It helps. 100%. Your real estate business. 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. So Jeremy on YouTube, are you going through the typical process? Uh, once the landlord is interested, credit, credit check, background, mm. first month deposit and so on. Like, are you, when you're renting it, are yeah. you going through their process, yeah. the landlord's process? Yes. So when I'm renting it, understand, we're renting it with the full intentions with them being well aware of what we're doing with the property. A lot of times we rent it, all the time we rent it on our business. A lot of times they still want us to, they still want to do a, um, they still want to vet us as, as the business owner. So yeah, they may still want to run your credit. Uh, they may still want you to go through the traditional application process. They may. Um, and that's okay. But as long as you still rent it the right way, that's okay. Sometimes, sometimes. They won't even require it. And the way that we talk about it, it's just the way we position ourselves with our company. Most of the time, they don't even, they just like, okay, well, this is different. This is a company renting it. So, and it's usually not even that, uh, usually not an issue that we have to run into. But you could 100% run into that, run into that to where they want to do a background check on you and uh, run you through that traditional process. But still, that's okay. You can still run the play that way for sure. Yeah. And I'm seeing a bunch of you guys watching right now. I see 22 likes. Uh, if you guys know somebody that needs to hear this, needs to ask questions about being short-term rentals, tag them, share this with them so that they can, you know, absolutely uh, get some knowledge right here. Uh, so Raylan's asking, are you using VAs to run your business? Absolutely. So VAs for sure. I have three. Three. Three VAs. Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my org chart, my pecking order. It's like, of course, it's me. I have an executive VA. And then there are two VAs under her. And then it's two cleaning teams, one maintenance guy who's on retainer, and then all the technology. That we use. That's it. It's really simple. Yeah, not hard. Liz, this. Yeah. I like to. We, we like to be as lean as possible. <laughs> gotcha. Um, who's marketing to the landlords to pick up more rental uh, arbitrage? So who's marketing to them? I mean, you are as the as the owner. So what we do is we go out and we look at we go online and we look for properties that are on rent for traditional leases, and those are the ones that we go after. But sure. are you doing it, or do you have someone other else, someone else, some other team? Oh, oh, yeah, okay. So now I have somebody else that looks at it for me. But okay. yeah, I was doing that for sure yeah. until until I scaled, and now I have yeah. a VA that's are the VAs do it, are the ones that are identifying those for you, or yes, they identify them for me. Yep, absolutely, gotcha. cool, absolutely. Um, and then uh, Corey on YouTube, do you have experience, or what are your thoughts on this model in Miami? Uh, Miami is a good market. Uh, they do have some some rules, <clears throat> but if you can navigate them, which you can. Um, just understand what the rules are and, and, um, which you can definitely navigate the rules. If you can get in Miami, it definitely will be a good market for sure. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just seems like this would be a great thing to do oh, yeah. if you It'd can. Yeah. If you can, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Drew on YouTube, do you have any units outside of Texas? So I don't have any outside of Texas. Um, not right now. I do plan on getting some, you know, it's crazy. Every time I want to get outside of Texas, more opportunities in Texas just come. So I end yeah. up just staying put. <laughs> so. Yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, yeah. if, there, if people are coming to you, keep, just keep leveraging it. Um, Absolutely. So, Luis, on YouTube, how do you vet your renters? I mean, mm. I guess, good question. Yeah, what, are you, what are you looking for when you're accepting a, a, a guest? This is a really good question because vetting your guests mm -hmm. is a very important topic because um, a lot of folks get this wrong, and a lot of folks allow people in their property that should not be in their property, 
and it caused riffraff and they caused trouble and now and now you have issues with either your landlord or your apartment complex. Um, for one thing, we ask very qualifying questions. Um, well, I'll even take a step back before that. We don't have instant. See, one of the things that Airbnb does, they incentivize you for having instant booking on, for, for people being able to book with you instantly. Uh, we don't put that on for our bigger units, um, our bigger units, because they are more prone to, they are, they are bigger targets, essentially, for the riffraff and the parties. For the parties, whatever, yeah. For the parties, exactly. So, um, but we don't have it on. So when people, you have to request a book and we have to approve your reservation. Mm-hmm. Once you send a request to book, we're asking all the qualifying questions. And I'll tell you a couple of them right now. Um, have you, well, why are you here? Like, they have to tell you a reason. Matter of fact, it's, it's the booking call, like the call to action before you book is to tell us why you're booking with us. So they have to tell us why, they have to tell us why they're booking with us. Um, they have to let us know, um, will there be any additional visitors outside of the people on the reservation? Very important. I'm not, and I'm not saying that will there be any other people staying low. Will there be any visitors outside of the people on the reservation? Have you read the house rules and do you and can you please confirm that you agree with the house rules? Right? These are things that you want, these are yeah. qualified. You want to make sure you ask these questions. Another thing that we don't do, we don't, you have to have a really good reason to be a local folk, to be local and want to book with us. You have to have a really good reason. Now in Houston, we it, now Houston's massive and everything's inside the city though. Like the, the med center, downtown, midtown. So sometimes a lot of folks that live in the suburbs. They may want to just be closer to town because they may have a family member that's in the medical center that's going through something and they want to be closer to town or maybe they want to be in town for the weekend because they have something going on downtown. You have to have a really good reason. And we ask, but we literally like most of the people that want to book with us, if they're local, we don't accept them. Got it. You got to do that. Do you guys, I mean, what are the rules? Like, could you put cameras? I mean, these are your properties. Good question. So you (laughs) you can't have a camera wherever you want. You can put a camera wherever you want. You just have to state it on your listing exactly where it is. Got so it. We, we, we only put cameras in the exterior of our properties. And you mm-hmm. want cameras at the exterior entry points of your properties because you want to make sure that you're managing the, the, the influx of people, the, the traffic coming into your property. Mm-hmm. Sometimes somebody say, they might say, oh, it's two of us coming to stay. And then you see 15 people walking into your, your property. Like You want to be aware of that. You know right. what I mean? Another thing that you want to make sure that you do, check out a noise monitoring uh, device. The two that I recommend are the Minute, M-I-N-U-T, or NoiseAware. These are two top companies that do this. Um, I'm actually going to have one of them come to my event that's going to be in Houston in June. Um, but this is a, a device that you put at your property and you set the noise level, uh-huh. right? And as soon as the noise level in the property goes above that normal kind of talking noise level, you get, you get alerted to your phone and say, hey, it's a party party level noise going on right here at the, at the property. Yeah. This gives you a chance to make sure you get ahead of it um, or, or at least get to it, uh, address it as fast as possible. So mar- make sure that you have noise monitoring system on, uh, at your properties. Again, cameras, very important, on the exterior. Now, is there any case where I will be okay with a camera inside your property? Again, I don't recommend putting any cameras inside your Airbnbs. I don't recommend doing it, but if you want to do it, do it, but just state it on your listing exactly where it is because if you don't, then you get in a lot of trouble. Uh, But the only situation where I would allow cameras inside is if you are renting the property out, not the entire space, Uh but per room because you can do it, the entire space, you can do per room as well. Now, say you have a three-bedroom. That's how it started. Exactly. That's, that's how I started. That's yeah. exactly how I started, actually. Yeah. And say you have a three-bedroom property and you rent it out per room. And so each you have a different guest in each room. Then 
it may be a good idea to have a camera in a common area like the living room or the kitchen area because they're all sharing it. And if something happens and they're not, they're all going to deny it. <laughs> something right. breaks or something. They're all going to deny it. So that way you have actual footage of what, what actually took place. Um, so, yeah. I had a friend. I want to say she had like a thermal sensor. Mm. Right. She could track how many bodies are in <laughs> are in the house. Yes. Yes. Right. That's out there too. Yeah. You can definitely get one of those too. We like the noise monitoring though. Now the noise monitoring, that's, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Uh, so what's some uh, powerful word you use? Uh, spell out your agreement, you know, to, I guess, to protect yourself. Mm. Do you have anything, like any strong wording in your, in your thing? In the, in our, in the agreements that we have with the landlords or <laughs> oh, in the, our, or the house rules. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Our house rules are, your house rules should be very stern. It should almost make you sound a little mean. Like it should be like very stern to where as they read it, they're like, okay, yeah, they're not playing. Like That's how I feel when I, when I read those things. <laughs> exactly. Like, I was like, do I want to stay here? Exactly. Like, it should make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, but if they, they're still going to stay there, but it's going to, it's going to kind of resonate to them. Like, okay, they're, they're for real. Like, let me not. But I mean, we have all kinds of stuff in our house rules. I mean, of course, the no smoking, the none of that. Um, one of the things that you want to include is the fines. Put the fines on like, if they break it, put the fine on it. Let them see that dollar amount if they break it. Do that. And, you know, it's funny. I used to say no smoking, it's a $500 fine. That was what I used to put on there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so people would just get in there and be like, I'll pay the 500 Let's just smoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you, so sometimes your fine has to be, now it's two grand. Yeah. Now it's, now it's, now it's painful. Two, now it's painful. <laughs> now it's painful. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes, you want to be be stern with your house rules and include dollar amounts too. And also, like, when people p- make sure that you hold them accountable for the for the traffic. If they say it's three people staying, and it turns out it's ten people in that property, you want to have that in your house rules. Say, hey, any additional person outside of stated on the reservation, it's thirty five dollars per person per night, or thirty like. Make it like, or $50, like make it, put that dollar amount there. And yeah, yeah, definitely do that as well for your house rules. Yeah. Um, and then Howard, uh, they just formed a partnership with investors in Texas to find French properties um, and manage their Airbnbs. Uh, any advice for them? So they just started a partnership mm-hmm. with investors in Texas. Okay. And to, to manage. So, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming, so what he's saying is he's going to co-host, he's going to manage their mm-hmm. short-term rentals for them. Excellent. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. I mean, you know, again, the same systems, the same infrastructure that you need to, whether you're causing, whether you're arbitraging it, is the, is the exact same. Just make sure that you are very, very transparent with your landlords. Like, you know, just make sure that um, that you, you're doing the things that you say you're going to do. Um, some folks have landlords that want to be, um, <laughs> that want to be very, very, very involved with like, they want to see who all is in there all the time. They want to see the numbers coming in and be like, nah, we let us do our thing, right? Let us do our thing. But um, but yes, I mean good stuff. Good stuff. Congratulations on that. Um, definitely run it up. I'm not sure what market you're in, but uh, but definitely, definitely just do right by the landlords and watch what happens. Cause a lot of times we 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 whether we're co-hosting, whether we're arbitraging, when we do right by these landlords, they always bring us more opportunity. They always bring us more opportunity. So so definitely do that. Right. And then Kai on YouTube wants to know, uh, what do you do when you hit a mental roadblock or bump in your business? Oh man. Um, I, for one, I would say, 
I always adjust my mindset of gratitude, right? The mindset of gratitude instead of like, man, this is freaking difficult. I got to deal with this. It's more so like, all right, I get to deal with this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get to, I get to solve this problem, even though it's painful, but I get to do it. And that alone is enough to be grateful. And that alone is enough motivation to go ahead and get it done. So um, that I always use that mindset whenever I feel stuck or I feel or I, or I feel a little less motivated. That's the mindset I go to for sure. Got it. And on YouTube, Sabrina wants to know, how do you know how much to charge for cleaning? Good question. So you want to look at what other kind of comparable properties are charging for cleaning. Um, look at what other comparables are charged for cleaning in your area. Also, look at what you're paying for cleaning, right? Um, look at what you're paying, because we always tend to either be right there or above. Like, we're never below whatever we charge our cleaning. So we're right there, whatever we charge our cleaning, or above. And so, and so compare, look at what your cleaners are charging you, but also cross-reference that with what, what, the, what properties similar to yours are charging for cleaning and come up with a number in between there. Gotcha. And John Clash wants to know, when purchasing short-term rentals, how much equity are you trying to, to get? Oh, good question. See, I purchase my short-term rentals with other people's money. I love using um, 70, uh, the Burr strategy. I love 70% LTV. Um, I like to capture 30% equity, um, even after the refinance. Um, I like to buy them still with the 1% rule, but still running it as a short-term rental. Now, I think that's very important to understand, because we all understand that in real estate, it doesn't matter what what's exit you do, whether you do Airbnb, whether you do buy and hold, whether you wholesale, whether you fix and flips, you make your money when you buy it. You got to buy it right on the front end. So even for folks that want to buy their short-term rentals, if they say that, oh, I want to buy this property to make it an Airbnb, cool. But will it cash flow with a traditional tenant? Will it make money? If, you, if all else fails, you put a regular tenant in it, will it still cash flow? And if it will not, then you bought it wrong. Yeah. It still should cash flow with a traditional tenant because guess what? You don't know what could happen in that marketplace. Mm-hmm. You don't know what kind of HOA or deed restriction can, might, might come in that neighborhood to municipality, to Municipalities, like, like ordinances in your city can come up. Like you yeah. never know what, might, what could happen to where you might need to make a pivot. That's why you want to make sure that you buy that property right. If it will only cash flow as an Airbnb, you didn't buy it right. Yeah. One of the things I always think is kind of funny, you know, like back in the day, um, you got, you got someone like buy, that buys it wrong. It's like, oh, you know, I decided to keep it as a rental. Right? Yeah. Like that's kind of like back in the <laughs> yeah. day, that's, that's how you, you know, you knew you bought it wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, now it's like, first is like, well, this could be a rental. And then as well, this might do well as an Airbnb. Or now it's, this might do well as a group home. Yep. Right. If that's <laughs> the only way that works. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't buy it right. Exactly. Yeah. I agree 100%. 100%. Um, so Lotto on YouTube, what advice would you have for someone looking to start an Airbnb property management company? Um, I would say, um, and, and my, one of my biggest, and you know, it's a similar question that was asked to me about how if I was to start over, what, what would I do or would I have done anything different? But I had already spoke to this earlier. The one thing I would do differently is change my mindset and understand the value that I bring to these landlords and understand that in the position that I'm in, in order to grow my management company, I am literally being the perfect tenant for these landlords. And coming from a, from a place of confidence is gonna make all the difference. I wish I had that mentality going into it. I have more units than I have now. But don't be scared. Don't come from a place of scarcity. Come from a place of value, understanding the value that you bring to the landlords. That's gonna change the game for you for sure. 
And then uh, Jeremy wants to know, are you targeting FISBOs at all for short-term rentals? Um, that is interesting. I actually haven't targeted a FISBO for a short-term rental before. We usually just target um, properties that, you know, if we purchase them, then we, we take them down distressed and we, we rehab them and turn them into short-term rentals. Or these are properties that are for rent that we are looking to work with a landlord and uh, that are for rent. And we just rent them out that way. So I haven't targeted a FISBO yet, but that's actually interesting. That's a good one. Uh, and Corey G wants to know, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you as a host? <laughs> um, I would say one of the feds kicked in one of my doors. <laughs> so we had, this was a direct booking, actually. I had a direct booking of a guy. Uh, he booked with us um, out of California. And um, it wasn't him. It was somebody, one of his friends. And so apparently the, the, um, the, the, that person was wanted. Um, I don't know what for. So what they did was they sent a fake package to the door to get somebody to open it just to get some visibility of who's inside. So it turns out the dude that they were looking for opens the door. <laughs> and so he, 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 just, they, he just takes the package, he closes the door. Literally three minutes later, they kick the door down and, and arrest him. So note to self if you're wanted. <laughs> if you're wanted. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. Um, well, I've had, I've had all kind of, oh, my God. I've had, in my early, I'll, I'll say this one quick one, uh, Steve, if it's okay. There was one, one time, this is my earliest, this is 2018. So early, I lost my first short-term rental December 2017. This is May 2018. This is an arbitrage deal, one bedroom, one bath apartment in downtown Houston. And I had one day left before I'm 100% booked. I said, man, I'm killing it this month of this unit, killing it. One day left and somebody, want, somebody sent a request and to book it. Say, hey, I'm just coming in from Galveston. I just need a place to stay for the night. I said, man, okay, bet. My mind automatically, I want to get 100% occupancy. I want to be able to brag. I'm 100% occupied. So I said, okay, yeah, cool. So I let him stay. He, he comes in. Now, this apartment community, I, the first thing that happens, I get a call from the security guard. He said, yo, um, TJ, I'm not sure what the heck is going on, but it's a lot of riffraff going on at your, at your unit. I'm saying, what? What are you talking So I look at the camera. I look at the camera on my phone. And I see that it's just pitch black. And I'm like, oh, crap. Just when I need it, the camera's busted. It's not working. Then I notice that the red button is still blinking. I said, oh, my God. They put a freaking sock over the dang camera. <laughs> they put a tape, whatever. They cover in the lens of the camera. I said, oh, wow. So I called him. I said, hey, I'm on my way. And he said, you want to go up there? I said, wait on me. Let's go up there together. So I go up there. Um, I met with a security guard. And we walk up there together. And I'm talking about, this is a nice apartment complex, too. Like, this is nice. It's probably 40 people, just not just in the apartment, in the hallways, the, the tenants are coming outside, like, what the heck is going on? It's like 1.30 in the morning. I'm talking about, it was a bad situation. So my, we get everybody, everybody got to get out. We're kicking everybody out. I'm like, this is a movie or something. Like, we get everybody kicked out. And of course, I definitely got some trouble with the community the next day. But thankfully, they didn't kick me out. I've been, I've been so good already. I had started renting it out that January. Everything has been running so smoothly. And so this is like first offense. And, um, and um, that is a situation that you definitely want to avoid. And guess what? If you are 100% occupancy, it's not a bad thing. If you're 100% occupied, occupied from a 30-day reservation, then that's different. But if you're renting out traditionally, hosting, host, hosting your guests traditionally, you're 100% occupied, it's actually very likely you left money on the table. Yeah. Very likely left money on the table. That means your price way too low. And you should increase your price. It's better to increase your price and have a few days in your calendar to handle even. I mean, even just to handle things in between that might, you might need to handle. Is you will make more money 
increasing your price, being 80% occupied, and having a few days left of your calendar. I just learned that really quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Weasel on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, what's your strategy in picking a good location or property? Um, so so it's going to take research. It's definitely going to take research. Look up properties that do, that do well on the platform. I mean, that, that's Googleable, right? Then AirDNA is going to be definitely going to play, play a huge role. Um, AirDNA is going to speak to what to expect in terms of demand as well as income in that particular, for, for that particular property. And again, we talked about AirDNA and how to take their data with a grain of salt. I like to let people know to also couple that with some self-research on Airbnb as well. Go on Airbnb as a traveler. Go on the map views. Go into that marketplace that you want to be in and individually click on those listings. See what they're charging. See how far ahead they're booked. See if they even have professional photography. See how well put together their, their, their listing is. Then cross-reference that with AirDNA as well, and that would give you a really good idea of what to expect in terms of income and, and demand in that particular property or marketplace for sure. Awesome. And then Darcy also wants to know, do you work uh, with hospitals for traveling nurses? Yes, 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 yes. If you have units that are uh, within 15 minutes, maybe two miles away from your medical center, you should definitely be targeting travel nurses. Um, not just travel nurses, doctors that travel from wherever to perform procedures, and also patients. We serve a lot of patients, and patients stay for weeks at a time. We just had somebody stay at our units. They checked out last week. Her, she brought her son. He had to get his foot amputated, right? So one of the things that you have to ask yourself in this business strategy is who are you serving? Because that who will answer a lot of other questions. For example, we put a TV in every single room. The living room and the bedroom gets four screen, 4K, flash screen TV mounted on the wall. Do you need a TV in the bedrooms to be successful? No, you don't. But we know that we serve medical folks. We know that we serve patients that are likely to get a procedure done. And as a result, their, their mobility is, is going to be limited. On the bed so, rest. Exactly. So being on a bed, a bed that's very comfortable, being, have, being able to be entertained, while their mobility is limited, can go a long way. But do you work with a hospital or is it just an Airbnb? Oh, no, we work with the hospitals. We definitely work with the hospitals. With direct booking? Uh, yeah, we get those bookings direct. We definitely cool. get those bookings direct, awesome. for sure. Um, and then, um, I don't know how to say this person's name. I apologize. So, uh, how do you handle problems or nosy neighbors? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I would say when it comes to nosy neighbors, because we've definitely dealt with that, um, get them on your side. Get them on your side. Um, bring them in in the fold. Let them know exactly what you're doing. Uh, let them know that, look, let them know that you're, you have their interest at heart as well. Let them know that you're doing this business, th that you're, you have full intentions of doing this the right way, that you're going to be screening your guests the best way that you know how. And if they see anything that's out of the ordinary, they feel free to reach out to you. Bring them on the team. Let them, let them buy into what you already, what you and currently have together. going on. Exactly. And that's going to definitely help you solve that problem with your neighbors. For and sure. Fantasia wants to know um, that she's heard you can do this, start without using your own money. So what do you say to people that want to get started in this without their own money? I mean, a lot of business that you can start, you can't start without using your own money. You can. And this is one that you can as well. Um, um, you can, especially if you want to do rent or arbitrage. You do rent or arbitrage, yes. Um, you can say whether you have, and even with our students, we have an investment packet to where if you want to leverage somebody else's money to help you get started, say, hey, you know what, give me 5K, give me 10K, and I'll give you X amount of return on your money over X amount of time. We have an entire business plan for our students that we can use to position your business for, to, to, to raise some capital to get your first unit going. Also look at things like um, 
Amazon business. Amazon business alone, once you get on, set up an Amazon business account, you are you don't even have to have a certain amount of tenure to get it. So as you set it up, go ahead and apply for that net 30 line of funding. It's not gonna be a whole lot of money to start, but it's gonna be a few grand to help you get started with your first one. Understand, that's a net 30 account, so you wanna make sure that you pay it back within 30 days. Another way that you can get some capital, PayPal business. PayPal business is another one. You don't have to have like a certain amount of all this business experience to go ahead and apply for it. Then apply for PayPal business, go ahead and apply for their business line as well. Again, it's not gonna be that much to start you off with. But you should take that money, you spend it, and you pay it back. Of course, they're gonna increase your line. That, that, those two right there just getting started get you started um, with your first listing. particular Net30 accounts you recommend? Um, outside, I mean, I, I would start with those two for sure. And I would say um, probably we love, I mean, the, with the local banks that we have, uh, we love the Net30 accounts with BBVA that we, that we use. I've never heard of a Net30 account. You, you've never heard of a Net30 account? No. Oh, for real? <laughs> this is pretty much like a business account. It's a it's a business line, but they want you to pay back in thirty days. That's essentially like an Amex card. Yeah, it's like an Amex card, exactly. All right. Uh, what are some protections besides insurance you have in place for your direct bookings? Uh, protections. Oh man. Okay. So um, for one, your lease. Um, we have leases in our program that for for people that want to book direct with us. Yes, they're going to book on your platform. Yes, but we still also give them lease agreements, especially if they're booking for for longer term. Now, this is very important. You want to, especially if you're in a market, well, it really doesn't matter what market you're in. You want to be careful of tenant rights, right? Um, because if somebody stays at your property, because by definition, short-term rentals are stays that are 29 days or less. Any days more than that, you know what I'm saying? They want to claim tenant rights. They send, they send the mail to your property, and they want to use that to claim tenant rights. They, you, now, now you're in a battle, right? And you want to try that with you? Oh, yeah, they've tried that with me. Uh, but what we do is somebody want to book direct, and they want to book two months or three months, or anything over a month, we send them. We don't send them a lease agreement for the covering three months. We send them three leases covering 29 days a time, <laughs> if that makes sense, yeah. right? And Buy that 29, way, get one free. Exactly, <laughs> I get one free, exactly. So say somebody wants to book direct with you, they want to book 60 days or 90 days, whatever, you don't send them a 60-day lease agreement, send them two 29 or 30-day lease agreements, yeah. two of those. That way you'll be able, be able to avoid that. Another thing to look out for, um, um, like when you're on an Airbnb, of course, somebody damages one of your stuff, you can file a claim for it and Airbnb will pay you out. Now, this is different from like a huge liability issue like the, the kitchen caught on fire or somebody wants to sue you. That's what the protection, the, the proper short-term rental insurance is for, which you want to write this company down if you if you hear me, proper insurance. They're the number one insurance provider for short-term rental properties, whether you own it or you rent it. Um, with that though, if somebody books direct with you, you also want to have another company called Wevo. Wevo is another company, they're actually a sister company to proper. This protects you for like the, your tables. If somebody breaks your couch, you can file the claim and they'll get you paid out rather quickly. So that's another way to make sure that you're protected. And we use that even with our direct booking guests as well. So protecting yourself with the lease agreements for sure, and make sure that you have the right insurance what people book with you direct is going to go a long way. Cool. And, you know, we talked about, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but what keeps you going? What is your why? Man, um, my why is my family, uh, my family, my mom, <laughs> um, you know, retiring her has always been, always been a goal. Um, 
And so, you know, just being able to being able to be, because at the end of the day, my goal is to help as many people as possible. But you, you can only do so much if you're if you're not getting to the bag yourself. <laughs> so you, you know, so for me, my goal is to help as many people as possible, especially with this business strategy that changed my life. And uh, but my why's definitely been inspired by my family for sure. What is your biggest struggle right now? Uh, biggest struggle right now, finding more apartments. <laughs> finding oh more yeah, we apartments. didn't talk about that. So let's <laughs> talk about that. What, what are you trying to do with apartments? So right now what we're doing right now is we are buying more so medium-sized apartment complexes, and we're essentially gutting them out, and we're converting them to boutique hotels, so essentially Airbnb hotels. So closing on uh, my second one in Houston, and we're definitely going to be branching out to different marketplaces uh, this year as well. And so, uh, so outside of just the short-term rental company, we're actually scaling by developing essentially short-term rental boutique hotels as well. Awesome. Super excited about that. And how do you measure or define success? Um, I, I would measure define success by how successful are the people around you. Um, the amount of help that you're able to help people, um, is your, is what you're doing. How much for, how much, not just for profit, but also for purpose is what you're doing. I think that to me is the true measure of success. Awesome. Uh, and what is your superpower? Uh, superpower, man, I would say, I would say, uh, I would say again, I would say gratitude because my mindset on gratitude literally helps me on a lot of things. If you were to, if I was to hand, if I was to hand anybody a million dollars right now today, they would be super ecstatic. It'll change their life. They'll be happy. They'll be, you know, they'll, 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 they'll be confident. They'll be able to feel like they can take on the world. Right. But then even though we go through things and let life is hard and we go through struggles and we wake up every morning and we feel like, Oh man, like, okay, you know, things are hard. I got to go through this, but we don't realize that because if I was to say, okay, I give you a million dollars, but you don't, you don't wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Nobody's taking that deal. So why don't we look at every day that we wake up, like we're being handed a million dollars. Like, and so that, that's, that speaks to that mindset of gratitude to where it's not more so, man, I'm going through this and I got to do this. It's like, I get to, Right. I get to. And so that's always been one of my superpowers for sure. And what is the greatest lesson you've learned? Um, one of the biggest lessons I learned is how much further I can go together with like-minded people. I was, especially growing up and even getting into real estate, it was also like, man, you get your, you get your money. It's your company, your money. You make that wholesale fee. You keep everything. You Everything that you make, that's you. It's your company, your thing. You do you solo show. Now I learned quickly that I can go further with other people, partnering and doing things together with like-minded people. And so I know it sounds simple, but it literally changed everything for me. Yeah. It changed everything for me for sure. Oh, I, that's a phenomenal mindset. Uh, last question is, what book have you gifted more than any other? Uh, I would say No BS Time Management by Dan Candy. I mean, because it's something that we all struggle with is time management. Yeah. And that book right there puts in a perspective on how to actually value your time. <laughs> and um, and I'll give you another, another, another one that is actually a, rec- a required read for all, all of my students is Profit First. If your mindset about cash flow management is income minus expense equals profit, then you should read Profit First for sure. So um, next week, we got David Rector coming in. Nice. You know David? No, it was David. So he wrote 
uh, profit first for real estate investors. Oh, really? Yeah. So Michael Michalowicz. Michalowicz, yeah, he's actually the original. is the forward writes the forward oh, for David's book next week. Oh, fantastic! I yeah. love that. That's uh, amazing. But uh, going back to uh, the no BS time management, mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite words from that book, you know, by Dan Kennedy, yeah, is time vampires. <laughs> I like that. Right? Like, I yeah. love that. He's like, yeah, these people just come in and just they suck just your time. Suck, suck, suck your time dry. <laughs> time vampires. I love that. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So uh, think about some last thoughts you want to leave some listeners with mm. while I make a couple of quick announcements. Guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. And we do have our event coming up next week. So send me a message on Instagram workshop, and then we'll see if we can get you in. Um, and uh, we do have our Discord, so check out the link below. And again, we do have David Rector coming in next week. He wrote the book, Profit First for Real Estate Investors. I'm excited to talk to him about that. So last thoughts mm-hmm. you want to leave the listeners with. Man, I would say, I would say for the folks listening, uh, just get started. Um, get started. Understand that you, know, you don't have to have all the pieces to the puzzle. Understand that you just have to have enough pieces. Just know enough to get started. Um, I think if there's anything that the last two years have taught us, is that we cannot solely depend on one source of income, right? Um, I think for, for one, if there's anything that COVID has taught us is that, you know, having additional streams of income is no longer a, a just a want, but more so a necessity, right? So just take action, um, take action, make things happen. And again, you don't have to know everything, just know enough. Sure. Yeah, so don't get ready to get ready. Don't get ready to get ready. I love that. All right, so uh, how can someone get hold of you? Uh, definitely tap on me on IG, IG uh, heavy, uh, TJ Tajani. That's at T-J-T-I-J-A-N-I. Um, hit me on Instagram. Um, and shoot, that's probably the biggest platform I'm on right now. All right, perfect. For sure. Thank you very much. Man, this, this is blast. amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you guys Huge for watching. Fan. Oh, wow. <laughs> I appreciate y'all so much. This is love. This Steve is love. Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.